Blog Talk Radio. Oh. Well, I the fullness without my 
I'm Paco Smith, and I welcome you to this edition of Belize Hard Talk, The Tipping Point. I just want to first off say thank you very much for everyone who's tuning in, and I believe we should have a very lively discussion as per usual. Uh, to Belizeans both at home and abroad, welcome. Thank you so much. We appreciate the support. I'd like to begin first off by letting you know that the guest for today is Ms. Mary Caridi. We've put out some information with regards to her, and she'll be joining us shortly. But what I would like to do for today is to begin in a sort of an unorthodox fashion. And it's going to be a little, a little bit tedious, but um, I think it's definitely necessary. So just bear with me for the time being. Uh, Mary will call in, and after I'm done with my little spiel here, I'm quite certain that Mary will join in and we'll have a good discussion. So let me begin by initially stating that um, there are a few housekeeping items I believe should be addressed beforehand. I truly dislike doing this for a number of reasons, especially since it impinges on the time allotted to speak with our guests. Additionally, because in so doing, to a certain extent, it lends to the antagonistic vibe that some appear to thrive on. Nonetheless, I deemed it best to address a few things at this time because one, within certain regards, it ties into the discussion with Ms. Mary Caridi, and two, by addressing it here on the show, it inevitably saves, it's, it's inevitably saved for posterity's sake. That's just in case anyone might be inclined to misconstrue what was said. With that said, let me cut straight to the meat of the matter. Last night, I was specifically addressed by Ms. Nancy Marin on the Facebook page of Mr. Hubert Pipersburg. For those who may not have, who may have listened to Hubert's show yesterday, Ms. Marin and Mr. Enrique, Hubert Enriquez were his guests. During the show, which did not facilitate call-ins, a variety of topics were covered. Given my inquisitive nature, I posted an observation to Hubert's page regarding something that Ms. Marin posted to Facebook. It involved what appeared to have been her take on the activities this past Friday in Cayo, in which the Belize National Teachers Union paired up with an initiative in which Ms. Mary Caridi was involved. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me a second. Oh, boy. <laughs> that being the intended showdown, shutdown of Kyle businesses as a result <coughs> to the increase in crime. <coughs> so as to be as fair as possible, I, should, I shall read the post by Ms. Marin and then further explain my view as well as share with you why I felt it needed to be discussed. I read for you verbatim what Ms. Marin posted on Facebook, and I quote, So reports are that the teachers' rally was a success. I'm happy for the teachers. The people got you back. The ill-intentioned Kyle shutdown was a failure, as all businesses were open. Thank God for that, too. And please, people, do not mistake Kyle business people for being dumb. They are smart people. Our town board had nothing to do with them not shutting down. It had to do with who asked them to shut down and the ridiculous demands made by the organizers. If we shut down our town, it will be done by our people, for our people, with the best intentions of our community, and we will be inclusive of all. When the people make demands, they will be well thought out and for the equal benefit of all. That is what Ms. Barin posted. Based on that and because calls were not being taken, I placed it along with my take on the matter on Hubert's page. I wrote as a heading to the post, 
by Ms. Marin, which I shared, and I quote what I wrote, of course everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I find the statement expressed by this post is very unfortunate. Why would one celebrate what they believe to be the shortfall of someone who is willing to put their money where their mouth is in terms of fighting the system? This in turn sparked a number of comments from various people, including Bruce Barnett, Derek Stewart, Debbie Curling, Mary Caridi, Nancy Marin, Chris Harris, Louis Diaz, Aria Lightfoot, and Raymond Lashley. Among the comments was a question posed specifically to me by Derek Stewart, which read, Paco, in your observation, what are the main issues keeping the many, the many small parties from uniting? I responded by saying, and I quote, great question, Derek. In my opinion, there are many, but I will concede that chief among them is that unfortunately, as with human nature, not everyone shares the same motivation for being involved in the struggle. We are all part of it for our unique reasons. For some, it might be due to acknowledgement of there being a need for change. For others, it may be that they simply want to be viewed as being the leader. Still yet, for some, their motivation might be attributed to visions of grandeur. Also, as Bruce very keenly pointed out, some might very well be plants by the establishment, sent to stir up matters so as to disrupt our momentum. The individual motivations are numerous and can be judged by what we say and do. Honestly, it is something that must be contended with in virtually any struggle, and given this universal reality, I remain hopeful because it is not distinctly unique to, be, to believe. Nonetheless, it is imperative that irrespective of each person's motivation, we must find some degree of common ground on which to move forward. One way to achieve this is to support one another. I will contend that everyone who chooses to fight the good fight has a role to play. Not everyone is meant to be a leader. Inevitably, the people will lend their support to whomever they discern as being up to the task at hand. In the meantime, I believe it is best for those in the struggle to take a more proactive approach and contribute what and where you can, but not at the expense of others. I went on to quote uh, a song by Taurus Riley uh, on his album, Hit CD Contagious. It's called Stop Watch. I also posted the link, and I concluded my statement by saying, if we are to move the country forward in the right direction, I prescribe that Mr. Riley makes a salient point. Now, sometime later, I perused the thread, and I saw that Ms. Marin addressed me by stating, and I quote, Papa Smith, you're an intelligent Belizean man. You know me personally, and you know me to be a straight shooter. If you have any concerns or questions about what I say or do, I'm happy to answer your questions as friends that we are. I will not support the ridiculous demands set out by the Cayo shutdown. The, people's, the Belize People's Front stands for the betterment of our people and will not stand for unfounded demands. We believe in unity and inclusiveness and well-thought-out demands. Besides all of this, we condemn the insults to the intelligence of our business people by suggesting that they were intimidated by the San Ignacio and Santa Elena Town Council and our police department. The San Ignacio Community Police are made up of intelligent men and women that will not lower their standards to intimidate our business people. Our business community enjoys an unprecedented working relationship with our police department. For the first time in our twin towns, we are cooperating to fight crime and participating together in community-oriented such demands and comments will only deteriorate the great community policing, special constable efforts we now enjoy. How dare any of you try to attack that relationship? Yes, we need to unite. Yes, we need to fight. But let's be smart about it. Enough said. And I close quotes. As a result, I responded by stating, Nancy, I appreciate your confidence in my intellect, and I, too, am a rather straightforward shooter in my views. I will also say that you possess a considerable drive, one which is commendable. I believe that my post is precisely indicative of that. One, 
Everyone is entitled to their view. Two, I stated mine as well. I believe that the way forward is not to tear down the efforts of others. Again, what I express is based on what you wrote. And I basically just reposted what she wrote about uh, joy in the shutdown not coming to fruition. Afterwards, I said, in my humble opinion, such a statement is not beneficial to the overall goal of changing the system. For certain, I can think of many people in both the red and blue camps who will applaud it, and that's their prerogative. But as I mentioned in my my response to Derek's question, I honestly believe that we, myself included, should strive to be more constructive. If you don't believe that the rationale behind linking the BNPU rally with that of the Cayo shutdown was sound, why not organize something that you believe is more appropriate? It's all about building bridges, not fostering separation. Ms. Marin's final post on that thread read, quote, guys, all due respect, this back and forth is not my style, it's not my MO, the floor is yours, close quote. Now, during Hubert's show, the question was asked of Ms. Marin concerning the ideology on which her group is founded. Being one who enjoys the political discussions, I keenly listened to her explanation, which I found to be somewhat lacking. As a result, because there were no call-ins, I posted the following observation to the host Facebook page, and I quote, what movement develops this ideology as it seeks to gain membership? Traditionally, the ideology serves as a rudder which steers the proverbial ship. It appears as though within certain regards, by not having an ideological foundation, one might be placing the cart before the horse. I did so because being a student of governance and public policy, one who firmly and one who firmly believes that in the quest for beliefs to move forward, not only must the PUDP be scrutinized thoroughly, but all entities that seek to, one, provide an alternative to our current system, and two, presumably aspire to lead or at least play a pivotal role in the creation of a new belief. These must also be subject to such scrutiny, and within certain respects, it is best to to assess their positions even more thoroughly than that of the PUDP, because inevitably, we do not want to replace those who who have done wrong by the people of Belize with something that is not substantively different and more viable. For me, this extends to all movements that seek to stop, excuse me, that seek to step up to the plate, bar none. So that's a blanket statement. It's not directed specifically for one group or the other. Anybody who wants to step up, you have to meet some scrutiny. Therefore, I found it somewhat troubling that Ms. Marin's movement, at least based on her reply to the presenter's question, appeared not to have a well-defined or identifiable fundamental ideology which forms the basic underpinning of their efforts. That's just my observation. If anyone wishes to make their own assessment, you can listen to Hubert's show via podcast and decide for yourself. Beyond this, I continue to listen to the show. Inevitably, people chimed in on Facebook to lend their views. Based on Ms. Marin's last mentioned contribution to the previous thread, I was of the impression that all was said and done. Yet, lo and behold, there was an additional comment on Hubert's page which in effect led me to address the matter during this portion of the show. The comment read, and this is verbatim, you know, I don't understand you people, especially Paco Smith. You demand transparency, you demand honesty, you say you, you fight corruption and crime. It's all, is it just from our politicians that we demand this? Should I support and join in unity just because you say so? I speak honestly and truthfully to you, and I did to Mary. Because I spoke honestly, she asked me and my Belize City activist friends not to participate because 
is keep in mind we railroaded the demonstration last year that she claims to have organized trying to take credit from a group of kids that called themselves the Purple Movement, who were actual organizers and invited us. Believe me, buddy, it doesn't matter how much insults you stoop to, I stand against corruption, crime, drug trafficking, and lies in any shape and form, which is why I save all correspondence with everyone. I'll also keep far away from anyone who tries to intimidate me by reminding me that her nickname is not the godmother for, it, for nothing. So you can believe that I'm being personal if you like, but you, can all, but you cannot accuse me of lies or of any hidden agenda. I'm an open book, and I always was. I've been an activist all my adult life and have served my country in the volunteer force of the BDF. I served at FCD, APAMO, uh, Mary Open Doors, and so many other organizations. They all have only good things to say about me. In fact, I, have st- voted star- I was voted star board member a few years in a row. I have worked hard for my good name and have never depended on any politicians for my survival. I therefore am free to speak my mind and I am free to unite with whomever I find are genuine to the efforts of our people. As for your hilarious comment about feeling the spotlight, laugh out loud, perhaps I was born in the spotlight, uh, excuse me, please, I was born in the spotlight. I do not need the spotlight. In fact, a lot of my charity work has never been sent to the media, which, I, which is why I have earned the respect of the local people, the police, the local doctors, teachers, pastors, and business community. They are who matter. Close quote. Listeners, I want you to digest what was said. If we had time, I would repeat it for you. Nonetheless, since I was mentioned specifically in the post, I shall at this time respond, and please note, I wish to make it categorically clear that this exercise is not undertaken with the intent of being adversarial. It is simply to clear the air so that Ms. Marin's queries are answered in the arena in which she chose to voice them publicly. To Ms. Marin, I say, what is there not to understand about me based on my initial post? First off, in terms of transparency, honesty, fighting corruption, and crime, those are ideals to which I subscribe. As opposed to demanding them, as you put it, my approach is a bit more genteel in that I have found that by way of solely demanding things, one's intent might be overshadowed by way of the variety of perspectives to which we are subject. In other words, to demand things might very well be perceived by others as being overbearing, domineering, and and imperious. Therefore, in that regard, indeed, I call and champion for those elements, yet first and foremost, I ensure that I first adhere to them and then seek to spread the gospel, so to speak. I believe we're on the same page, but my modus operandi is apparently a little different than yours. To your question in which you ask whether you should support and join in unity because I, Paco Spitz, say so, surely that was posted in jest. But nonetheless, just to clear the air, my equivocal answer, Ms. Marin, is that I would never endeavor to even think of suggesting that I do anyone else for that which you do not deem worthwhile. After all, it is your choice, and I respect that. But let me be clear in terms of what I mean. Based on your initial post, in which you seemingly lauded the Kyle business community for not supporting the shutdown efforts, my observation was based on the fact that as an aspiring leader, or leader as, as you may see fit, such a blatant celebration of the presumed shortcoming of a colleague in the struggle may very well not bode well in the minds of those whom you aspire to lead. In other words, for the young children for whom we presumably wish to make believe better, what message do you think it sends to them by berating the efforts of someone who, like yourself, has been willing to step forward? 
You see, this has absolutely nothing to do with individual personalities. I made my observation based on the bigger picture. In my view, I am irrelevant as it relates to the uphill struggle that we all face toward making Belize a better place. But at the same time, it is imperative for us to be cognizant of the effects of what we say, write, and do. So I hope it is clear that I have no intention whatsoever to recommend you or anyone else to lend your support to anything. This is a personal choice enjoyed by everyone. And with that, I shall reiterate for the purpose of clarification precisely what I wrote during, uh, regarding the issue. I said, and I quote, in my humble opinion, such a statement is not beneficial to the overall goal of changing the system. For certain, I can think of many people in the red and blue camps who will applaud it, and that's their prerogative. As I mentioned in my response to Derek's question, I honestly believe that we, myself included, should strive to be more constructive. If you don't believe that the rationale behind linking the BNT rally with that of the Kyle shutdown was sound, why not organize something that you believe is more appropriate? It's all about building bridges, not fostering separation. Okay. Not done yet. Now, you'll know that I used the word constructive, right? I said nothing about support in my response. All right? So I just want to make sure everyone is following. This is clearly as I, this is as clear as I can articulate uh, this distinction in that openly celebrating the perceived shortcoming of an effort by a colleague in the struggle is not constructive. Again, it's simply my opinion, and as we are all aware, virtually everyone has one. Just give me a little break here because my throat is getting dry, but I, I will continue shortly. I'm about to post something to my page for those who would like to, to follow us and chime in. So there it is on my Facebook page. Please check it out. Now, moving on, you stated some things, admittedly, to which I am not privy, which involved what I viewed as being a very constructive effort, and I'm talking about the Purple Movement. Admittedly, I know very little about whose brainchild it was or who led it. Those things are not important to me. What remains important is that it proved highly effective and that hopefully it remains as such, only because you mentioned it. And Ms. Mary Caridi, in the same breath, will I put it to my guest today, because I believe it is important that she has an opportunity to give her perspective on a matter in which she was specifically mentioned. In your post, you stated, believe me, buddy, it doesn't matter how much insult you want to stoop to. I stand against corruption, crime, drug trafficking, and lies in any shape or form, which is why I save all correspondences with everyone. I'll also keep away from anyone who tries to intimidate me by reminding that her nickname is not the godmother for nothing. So you can believe that I'm being personal if you like, but you cannot accuse me of lies of, or of any hidden agenda. I'm an open book, and I always was. Okay. Well, that's what Miss Marin stated. And to that, I will simply say, what I've stated is there for public record on Hubert's page. How you make the leap from asserting, from my asserting my observation to that of hurling insults at you completely escapes me. But if you equate my constructive observation of your post as being an insult, so be it. And let us allow the listening and reading public to be the judge. I have no doubt as to your activism. 
and I applaud you for it. In fact, I encourage you to keep it up. As for what you stated about intimidation and the like, I have not a cent in that dollar, so I will leave that as it is. Yet in terms of me purportedly accusing you of lies, once again, it simply boggles my mind as to how you could possibly make the leap to such an allegation based on my observation and suggestion that we all attempt to be more constructive. Give me one second. Okay. <clears throat> Quite honestly, you gave us a, you gave a synopsis of your achievements, which are seemingly many, and again, I applaud you. But once again, when you stated that you know you work hard for your good name and you didn't anything from politician, whatnot, whatnot. You know, I take you at your at your at your word. I have never said anything contrary. But when you comment about as as for my hilarious comment about stealing the spotlight, uh, quite honestly, I checked the thread. I, I gave absolutely no mention of speaking the spotlight. My my discourse with Derek Stewart was based on what he asked me. He asked me for my observation as to what are the main issues that are um, keeping the small parties from uniting. Uh, I stated my general opinion about there being disparate motivations amongst all of us for being in the struggle, but at no time did I mention anyone. It was a general statement, and because I was so distinct in what I said on a rather dynamic topic, I must again say that I have no idea as to why you might have felt as though I was referring to you specifically. More telling is that I gave a number of possible motivations as to why people might be involved in the struggle, yet you chose to fix something ascribed to, quote-unquote, stealing the spotlight to yourself, which in fact was not among the, those things that I listed. I find that rather instructive, to say the least, because it was once said, who the cap fit, let them wear it. But then again, I gave no mention of stealing the spotlight in my response to Derek. I just want to clarify that. In any event, a universal truth is that we are all endowed with the ability to perceive matters from our very own unique standpoint. And I'm not here to tell you that you are wrong. But I will assert when I'm misquoted, and in, in this instance, such is the case. Nancy, I trust that this is becoming increasingly more clear that I pick no quarrel with you. Given that you made certain assertions in your post, I have decided to dedicate this time to clarify anything which may not have been all too comprehensible. If it still remains unclear, I remain willing to try to articulate to you the difference between my observation of your initial post as not being constructive to the struggle versus what you appear to have perceived me as suggesting that you support that which you do not deem genuine. For me, there is no confusion between the two. It is crystal clear to me, at least, that you reserve the right to unite, to unite with whomsoever you choose. I just hope that instead of seemingly attempting to tear down one another, even if there might exist some degree of aversion or dissension amongst individuals, that we all, myself included, will be bigger than that and focus on the task at hand. In fact, to take it a bit further, by way of this medium, I invite Don Hector Silva to lend his insight as to your initial post, my subsequent observation, and the ensuing discussion. I mentioned Don Hector because an Undoubtedly, he is both a recognized and accomplished person within the political arena, and he is also intimately knowledgeable about his efforts to foster activism in the Cayo district. Beyond that, he, along with others, were guest speakers at the joint BNTU Cayo business shutdown, 
this past Friday. So, Don Hector, if we have the time near the end of the show to take calls, I appreciate your input. I hold out hope that this might bring some semblance of closure to this discussion, but I have my sticky suspicions that it very likely will not. Therefore, what I have to say on the matter is on the record, and as tempting as it may be, I will refrain from addressing it beyond this show, even if faulty assertions are levied against me on this particular issue henceforth. Therefore, in closing this segment, I wish to simply say that I apologize to the listeners for having to dedicate time to this particular matter because, as I've mentioned, the struggle is much larger than me, you, and everyone else combined. Ostensibly, some may say that this was not the best means by which to address this issue. Yet due to the fact that my guests actually factored into the discussion, I thought it fit to table the matter on air once and for all. To all who want to see a better belief, let us move beyond the realm of the ego and focus on the task at hand. In sum, I wish to share a bit of advice which I believe holds true across the board. In saying this, I assert that it applies to me as well. When aspiring to lead, we must be cognizant that our actions, words, writings, express opinions, everything is subject to public scrutiny. No one is perfect, nor is anyone above reproach. And I have found that once person is genuinely committed to whatever cause they champion, their actions will speak for themselves. Let's continue to work constructively. And with that, I will see if Ms. Mary Caridi is online, and then we can get into the discussion. So please bear with me for a moment, and see if Mary is online. Mary, are you there? Just asking Mary, if you're listening, please give a call to the BTL listener that we gave you. Okay. Okay, I think Mary's listening. Mary, I'm typing right there what you need to type in in order, that's via Skype, in order to join the conversation. Okay. It's B T R L I S T E N E R zero five eight. So you call that and we should be hooked up and we can hear what you have to say. I know everyone is itching and I think I took about half an hour for that that little segment there, but um, the next hour and a half is all you. So please call right now for me and we can get the ball rolling. In the meantime, while we await Mary's call, I would just like to touch on a few things. Um, As for the session that took place in Cairo this past Friday, I was there. Uh, Mr. Will Mejia was there. I saw Don Hector Silva there. And a lot of other activists and individuals who were out there in solidarity in support of the teachers and presumably with regards to the initiative involving the Kyle shutdown. 
Now, there are a lot of dynamics involved with regards to why or why not businesses can shut down, and it all depends on who you ask. Um, I agree that, you know, there's, there's always there's always the potential for uh, differing perspectives uh, with regards to what, what reasons apply, what have you. But the thing is, the bottom line is that an effort was made, right? You know, when, when your children are in school, you know, you always want them to, to do extremely well. But... Sometimes you always say to them that, uh, well, we don't really want to give you an A for effort. But when it comes to social activism and nation building and going against race, trust me, I know for a fact that it is difficult. It is very, very difficult to get people together and to have them come out, especially when it involves the business community. So I tip my hat to all the organizers, and hey, it was a good it was a good attempt, and we can always go back to the drawing board and just try again. Well, I'll just give you my impressions while we wait for Mary to call in. Mary, you're going to have to call that um, BTR listener zero five eight that I put there just. Type it into the, the search window, click on it, and then when it comes up, you click on it again to make the call because that's the only way that you'll be able to get through in order so that we can have a conversation. You, if you call me on Skype, my Skype alone, it won't work. So just take that same thing that I sent you, the whole thing with 058, call that, I mean click it. Once the Skype finds it, then you click on it again to make the call, and then they'll let you in so that you can join the conversation. All right? So in the meantime, yes, a lot of things are going on in Belize. Um, I don't know who all have been keeping track, but um, about a week ago, the prime minister was very unique in his perspective with regards to what equates to wrongdoing versus that of corruption. I don't know how you all feel about it, but I can safely say that um, <laughs> the, man, the man must really have his own dictionary because as far as I'm concerned, the wrongdoings of Mr. Castro were in fact steeped in corruption. And uh, if you feel differently, hey, I respect your perspective, but the bottom line is that um, <laughs> corruption is corruption, wrongdoing is wrongdoing, and uh, they're very, very closely linked. Hmm. Okay, if you all could just hold one moment. Mary is still having trouble getting in. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. You know how it goes with technology. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I'm very, very sorry that this isn't working. Mary and I, we, we tested this before, and it was working quite fine, except for the username. Okay, let's see. How can we work this out? Okay, yeah. 
hopefully this will put Mary on the right path. But um, most definitely, it's, uh, it's very troubling. We, we, we live in very, very trying times right now in Belize, so much so that the establishment, uh, whether it be red or blue, they are, they are at a point of arrogance. So that, you know, it's like, and I like to use this analogy, but they'll ask you what, what color is the sky. If you tell them the sky is blue, they're going to look back at you and tell you, no, it's orange, green, purple, and, and red. Okay. And you know what? The rationale that they'll give you is because they said so. I've just been informed that maybe, just maybe, this might work out if, if uh, Mary and I talk via Skype. Uh, this should be kind of interesting to see how this works out. Let's see. All right. If you all would just bear with me for a moment, and let's see if we can somehow hook Mary up with this conversation. I don't want to lose my connection here. Uh, okay, I'll put this one on hold. Okay, sorry about the, the dead air time there, but um, we're still having some technical difficulties. Uh, those who are inclined with this type of technology, they're going to help us out, and hopefully we can get Mary on. Um, I don't know what the problem is, but let's see what we can do. In the meantime, let's just talk a little bit about what's going on in Belize. 
the goings on, the happenings, and what is taking place. Well, as you can see, uh, government is out of out of control with regards to a lot of things. You know, they're trying to redefine corruption. They're trying to redefine wrongdoing. They're trying to sneak back in this ICJ foolishness. I think I'll take a little time to talk about that because um, it's a hot issue right now. And I have noticed that um, within the past several weeks, the Guatemalan foreign minister has paid a visit to his counterpart here in Belize. And I believe it was sometime last week, uh, they made a big hullabaloo about uh, the signing of yet another agreement in which they're going to deal with uh, more confidence-building measures and also, most definitely, they're going to try and see if they can, excuse me, get back to this whole issue of going back to a referendum. Well, I make no bones about it. Unequivocally, I say without hesitation that Belizeans, they had their chance. When they had their referendum scheduled for the 6th of October, tentatively. Well, no, that was, that was, a, that was a solid date, actually. They had their chance because we were willing to participate. We were willing to go through the process. But Guatemala, in true fashion, in its ongoing intransigence, stubbornness on this particular issue, that they own Belize, or Belize owes them land or what have you, it's all ridiculous. Now they're going back to the table. And in their true form of acquiescence, the government of Belize is uh, sitting down with them again and saying, okay, yeah, let's, let's look and see if we can get another date for the referendum, one that will be facilitated to suit Guatemala. You see, this is totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable on many levels. Because Guatemala have the opportunity, they, they unsigned the, the compromise, the much vaunted compromise from way back when. And when Guatemala dropped the ball, well, that is when, at least I, in my humble opinion, expected the government of Belize to gain some semblance of a spine and to tell them, you know what, we had a date, you reneged on it, that's it. But we all know that there's more at play involved in this this entire scenario. Because based on what I've seen, the government of Belize is hell-bent on taking this thing to a referendum. And my word to the masses of Belizeans at home and abroad is that no matter what, as long as we have the referendum, there is no way under the sun that they can reach the threshold that is mandated by law to validate a referendum. And therein lies the key to the strategy. You see, Guatemala, how can I put this? They are used to having their way. They're like a spoiled picnic. When they can't have their way, they reel up. Or they hurl insults. Or they try to do damage control and rile up their people and whatnot. And I'll tell you the truth, the old Belizean proverb, applies. They know that our government has been very, very soft on this issue. They know that our government traditionally has bowed down to them on this issue, which I find totally disgusting and inexcusable. And yet again, when the government of Belize had the opportunity to hold Guatemala to their word, to take them to task for reneging 
on an agreement, the company, that they made this whole hullabaloo out of, they dropped the ball. They consistently dropped the ball on these issues. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in people power. You know, it, it's obvious, at least from my perspective, that we cannot depend on the government to deal with this matter in our best interest. We simply cannot. They have demonstrated time in and time out and time again that they are either incompetent, incapable, or unwilling, or maybe even all of the above, to properly represent the best interests of this nation. You know, there comes a certain point in time when you have to stand up for what you believe in. And when it comes to the nation of belief, one of the fundamental things of nationhood involves your sovereignty. Your sovereignty, very, very closely linked to that of your territorial integrity. And when your representative, that being the government, reaches a point where they're, they're actually willing to consider placing your nation's foundations at the jurisprudence of supposedly learned justices in a foreign court, and I'll say a foreign court of arbitration, there's something definitely wrong. We simply cannot afford to countenance this type of behavior by the government, and we certainly cannot facilitate it. And that is why we're calling for an out-and-out boycott of the referendum on whatever day they decide upon. You see, I say it time and time again, and I, really, I firmly believe this, the power lies in the hands of the people. And trust me, if the people boycott this referendum, mind you, I'd like to put in a little side note, it doesn't sound good, but it's the reality too. Oh, well, I guess maybe I should hold my breath and see what happens, but um, the likelihood is that um, they won't be passing out blue notes on referendum day. So that within itself, given the history of voter behavior and belief in a majority sense, might lend to the fact that um, people may not support the referendum. And hey, that would be good. That would be very, very good for, for our purposes. But yes, the bottom line is this. <clears throat> Belize is a sovereign country recognized by all who matter within the international community with its territory and borders intact. And who can't understand that? Who doesn't want to comprehend that? Who has a problem with that? Well, I can safely say that I have a problem with you because a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And despite whatever rhetoric comes out of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and their referendum unit or whomsoever, I don't care what ambassador he or she may be, how much experience they have in international relations and dealing with the OAS and the international community, I know one thing for a fact. And the fact is that I know where my borders are. And I know that in 1981, we became a sovereign nation with our territory intact. And I know that the majority of the nations in the U.S., save for one, has a problem with what we have. You see, going to the ICJ is, a, is, an, is an extreme risk for this country. You know, the learned attorneys, they, they like to shy away from what they call the litigation risk, as they put it. 
But um, the bottom line is this, that risk is too big. It's too grand. Because rest assured, heaven forbid, if Belize goes the route of going to the ICJ, I would bet my bottom dollar that the justices at the ICJ will seek equity in any such case. For me, plain and simple, straightforwardly, Belize needs not equity in this instance. That's the last thing we need because we already have what is rightfully ours. Again, everyone is entitled to their opinion and well, within certain respects, you know, there is rationale on, on both sides. But certain things are self-evident, certain things are real, and certain things cannot be, how do I put this? At a certain point, people must realize the reality of the situation. You know, would you go to court for something that you already own just because someone says that, well, you owe them? Within the dynamics of the international political economy, it would mean that Belize would have to agree. And that's why they're trying to push this referendum foolishness down our throats. When you really go to think about it, uh, the meeting that the foreign minister had with his counterpart last week was part and parcel and or indicative of just dressing up the same old story with a, a few new trimmings. And that's how these politicians operate, man. Even on, in the international arena with organizations like the OAS or what have you, there's nothing substantively different from what they put forth in the compromise. Oh, yes, they're talking a little bit about, okay, well, we're going to explore other avenues of collaboration and uh, exchange between the two countries, which is good. You know, I, I won't lie to you about that. That's definitely positive. It's a step in the right direction. But my issue is that they have said nothing with regards to Guatemala's reneging on the initial agreement. And until we get individuals involved in our governance who are willing to stand up, move forward, and not bow to the, the whims and the, uh, I guess, the demands of the international community and our neighbor to the West, we will always be getting the the short end of the stick. I could have used another word that begins with SH, but you know, this is a rated G show. But you know where I'm coming from. I mean, this is, that's just the reality. And for all those proponents of going to the ICJ, I say to you one thing. You can say whatever you want, but litigation is not the alpha and the omega of all things. You see, any time litigation comes to the fore, it involves attorneys, and attorneys charge fees, and no matter what they say, that, oh, it'll be an international attorney that will blah, 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 blah. Uh, don't take everything at face value. I'm quite certain that some of the prominent law firms in this nation are salivating, are salivating and waiting for the opportunity to go to the ICG and make big bucks. Hello. I've been informed that Mary may be online. Mary, are you there? Paco, can you hear me? Oh, thank, thank God. All right. Oh, Excellent. you're not just kidding. 
All right, Mary, thank you so much. I, I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties that we were experiencing, and uh, thank you to our technician out there. I really appreciate you putting this call through. Uh, Mary, um, the technical difficulties gave me an opportunity to expound on something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. I took up a lot of the time in, in discussing it, but we have roughly about um, a little less than an hour to, to hear from you. So, Mary, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to ask you, very first and foremost, please introduce yourself. Let us know who is Mary Caridi, where you come from, what you do, and just say hello to Belizeans worldwide. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Mary Caridi. I was born in Mexico, raised here in Belize. I'm half American and half mestizo. Grew up here in Belize farming and then went into construction after my husband died and my sons were raised. I've uh, lived and worked all over Belize, mostly in the rural areas. So I'm very familiar with problems in the villages and so forth. Um, I've recently really got into serious activism. I've always been a, an enabler and uh, somebody that facilitates and empowers people. It's just my nature. Um, been working with the youth throughout the country all of my life. I um, have two sons born here. I have uh, two grandbabies born here. Uh, lost my mother a few years back, violent death. Not funny, not want to talk about that. I have, uh, ten, in the last 10 years, I've built up uh, five businesses here in, in the Cayo area. I just, what I make, I reinvest either in businesses or giving scholarships or helping people with some and I facilitate our schools in our area by buying uh, sporting equipment and things and a few youth programs we've worked with, with uh, Bullet Tree Mission Youth and uh, uh, the KISS group that the youth started here uh, to help take care of our park that was donated from Canada. Pretty much uh, anywhere I can help educate, I do. I have a, a construction business and a subdivision out here called Gaia's Way where young guys from the village who aren't going to high school and we try to teach them trades and construction and finish and so forth, and we're quite successful with it. It's a small scale. We have uh, 18, uh, 13 full-time and five weekend warriors. Mm -hmm. okay. um, um, we've invested in... Hello? And uh, just keep investing and keep trying to build our country and as the, each generation comes along, we end up investing more and creating more businesses like we did for Christopher, who has Birdwalk Realty. That's my youngest boy. And Jonathan, he does photography, and he manages Mahogany Hall. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Mary, I thank you so much for introducing yourself. Um, it definitely sounds that you are someone who is not only attuned, but you're also quite active in the community. And leading up to the... Um, promotion of the show, I gave a comment because I've had the, the pleasure of meeting you on several occasions, and you strike me as one who is very active. And the way I described you, I said that you bring, you put the active in activism. What, what, is, what is your impression about that? Well, Paco, I do what I feel I can. I try to analyze problems in an area. I'm not much of 
blame finger person. I don't like to place blame. I like to look at the problem and figure out what is causing the problem. And I try to get to the root of a problem. And then I try to find the solution. And then I move forward. Excellent. Excellent. Now, well, I, I believe you were, you were able to hear the first portion of the show when I addressed some issues that came up. You know? and yes, I was. I, I promised to, solely for the purpose of giving you an opportunity to clear the air, so to speak, because your name was mentioned in certain allegations, no? And yes. If, if you'd like the opportunity to kind of give your side of, of the story or at least your perspective with regards to what was mentioned, this is the time. So I'd like to first begin with regards to uh, something that was mentioned about the purple movement. Can you give me some background on that? Hi, Paco. I don't know, about, uh, I guess about six years ago, in our village, in the Bullet Tree Mission Youth, we kept having groups visit us asking the youth and myself uh, what party, what color we were, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the youth had very clearly said they didn't want anything to do with anything political parties because they were tired of empty promises. That's their words. Okay, mm -hmm. so one day another group came in that had been there before, and we just decided at that point it was purple because we wanted everybody to be able to come in and feel comfortable in our group all right okay. then it grew from there i work with the youth like i said and we uh, with scholarships we try to have our kids work uh, a few hours every month to help the community as in, in a way of paying for their uh, scholarships so the thing kind of grew and we kept building and going purple uh, we actually painted our our village center purple we our library building purple. You'll notice I say building because we have no books. Um, <laughs> and we just continued with that. And then when Jasmine Lowe went missing, and then uh, with uh, Susanne Martinez, who I knew quite well, actually, she was a, a continuing visitor at Mahogany Hall. She'd come out with nursing and what have you. She was very well informed of what we were doing in the village and the color purple always meant unity. Bring the two colors, red and blue together and you get purple. So it was our idea to unite our village and our community, which said every, everybody in Belize actually we need to start thinking Belizean and not red, not blue but Belizean first. So that's how I got involved with color purple. Then when Suzanne died, there was a group of youth that mostly were at B that the purple thing, movement was theirs. And I had a meeting with them at the Red Cross building, and I asked them to rethink the meaning of color purple because to me it was a uniting tool, right? And I uh, told them that uh, I was going to leave it in their capable hands because it was started out for the youth to begin with. And if they needed my help or wanted to follow me, follow me on Facebook. And they all joined me, uh, follow me on Facebook. And on occasion, they pop and check me, and I left it in their capable hands. Okay. So, uh, yes, I, I became acquainted with the Purple Movement um, following the, the tragic deaths of two young Belizean girls. And I, I must commend all who were involved with, with getting it together, because I can recall a rally in Cairo, um, that was massive, and it was all involved in that whole movement. So, 
again, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing some, shedding some light on that particular issue. And, you know, I just did this for the purpose of the listeners out there, because as I mentioned in my first segment, it does not matter to me who starts the thing. It doesn't matter to me who heads the thing, right? What matters to me is that it is a viable movement that is empowering children, that is bringing awareness to the ills of our society, and that it's being progressive. You see? So I thank you for sharing that. And now let's see if we can move on to a few other things. Okay? Cool. All right. Now, <clears throat> this past Friday, I was in Kyle. I also saw some other individuals with whom I am fairly well acquainted. Uh, for example, Don Hector Silva. I hope he's listening in. And also individuals involved with the BNTU. Now, my understanding is that um, the BNTU, the Belize National Teachers Union, is in the midst of um, effecting, for the lack of a better word, some industrial action. They're having some protests, and it's going nationwide. Now, I know, based on what you've told me and, and the work that you've put in, because one of the things I can say about you, Ms. Karidi, is that you are definitely a worker and a doer. And that is something that is definitely needed when it comes to civil society engagement and volunteerism. Um, the work is selfless, not selfish. There's a distinct difference between those two. And for those who may not know what it is, I can pull out my Webster's Dictionary for you. But I think that everyone has a, a fairly good idea about the distinction. But nonetheless, with regards to the BNTU action on Friday in Kyle, it was my understanding that uh, a move was made to create synergies within certain respects or to, to link up, to, to use the, the common vernacular, right? To link up with a, a group with which you're affiliated. And can you just give a little bit of a, um, background on that? Well, Paco, basically the teachers are fighting for very same things that a lot of us are fighting for. There's uh, a lack of investment in our youth in our schools, in our, uh, uh, whether you're talking about uh, the police or the medical, there has been no developing of these according to our population. Um, I grouped up with the teachers. I've worked with teachers all my life down here um, with the schools. And I, like I said, I'm more of a facilitator, but I'm also one that's very analytic. Right, And I am somebody who tries to be very fair. So if I see something good going on, I don't care who does it, I, I'm going to say it's good. Um, with the teachers and joining up with the teachers, basically they're being marginalized in my mind. Okay, um, You're talking about some of our best educated people, some of our most dedicated people, like nurses and doctors give of themselves 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Um, I don't think uh, just uh, I, I see the government and everybody trying to say that it's just a pay increase they're talking about. It's not. It's being shuffled around, having to board yourself and pay for that, going to work in schools that are, are nasty. I mean, some of the places these teachers have to go, uh, you would go there. It just you wouldn't go there. Right. Over the years, I've worked with teachers. I helped build a center in uh, St. Margaret's Village, that uh, our first schoolhouse. Right. The teachers were boarded with different uh, families because we had no place for them to stay on their own. Teachers to this day deal with this. Right. They're shipped all over the country, 
and they're not compensated or not compensated well enough to cover the costs. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, between where they're shipped to, the conditions they're left to work in, right, there's not much. And then the supplies that they buy help the kids that don't have enough supplies. I mean, um, our friend uh, Sam Smith has actually sent me down a barrel of uh, school supplies, which I gave okay. out to our school on Christmas, right, just because there are kids in school that can't even afford pencils and pin, uh, pins and paper and so forth. Um, it's not everybody, it, and, but these are all the things that teachers are dealing with. I donate sporting equipment to our school because they don't have. I, mm-hmm. I, I try to su- uh, support every, um, what do they call it, PTA uh, a fundraiser that they do, and they use those funds. teaching in those mm-hmm. schools. One year they did this fantastic uh, thing and they had uh, skits about drugs and uh, jokey beauty contests. Well, they got up five grand that year to buy a printer for the school to handle it because so many of the kids don't have books and so forth. So the teachers have to get the paper and they needed a printer. So the PTA and the teachers got together and did a fundraiser for it. Uh-huh. Well, okay. Well, I, I thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, allow me just to kind of paraphrase at least what I, I surmise from what you said. Inasmuch as the, the aspect of the raise that is due to the teachers from God knows when, ever so long, mm-hmm. there is more involved to this entire scenario in terms of the role teachers play, the resources that are, are given to them to to take care of our children and to impart knowledge. So what I'm thinking, what I'm hearing you say is that there's a bigger picture behind this whole thing. And that makes sense. That definitely yes. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because, you know, I, I am a firm believer in the fact that, well, I'll give you an analogy. It may not be exactly the way that it was meant to, to have been put forward, but I heard someone give an example once. It was somebody quite famous, but I can't remember who right now. But they said, you know what, if you open up your hand, and you box somebody, yeah, yeah, you are making an impact. But if you put all the fingers together and you ball it up, you 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 get a greater impact. If you know, as opposed a punch to a, as opposed to a slap. And I think that's the way I'm seeing this with regards to linking up uh, the various initiatives so that the voice of the people can be streamlined and heard. Uh, Paco. When I look at problems that the teachers are having, I look at the problems the police are having, I look at the problems that our medical system is having, and they all stem from this thing. There's too much corruption all the way from, through the government, from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom. There's not enough trickling down to the people, right? And it's ingrained in the system. Then... If you notice at the rally, I spoke about the census, okay, because I looked at the numbers being put out for the district of Kyle, and they for issuing monies for anything, whether you're talking about education, medical, police force, whatever, to do with the population and the citizens, it goes back to the census. Now, I can't 
it's hard to get numbers, so what I did is I went to uh, BEL, and I found out there was 1,212 uh, uh, residential percent for those like me that live off the grid. I live off the grid, so that might have been part of our hookup problem. All right. okay. Okay. You, 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 you're talking about 56,000 people. If you take uh, 11,400 uh, 11, uh, and some with your 10%, you multiply that by two, you get how many people are voters, and that's 20-some thousand people. Right? Mm -hmm. When you look at population in our representative system, we're supposed to get an area rep for each 3,000 people. So just from Black Manetti, and the meters I'm talking about are from Black Manetti to the border. I'm not talking about the other half of the Cuyo District. Mm -hmm. Fifty-seven, 56,000 people in just half of the Cuyo District where we are, Santa Elena and Santa uh, uh, Ignacio, right? Mm -hmm. We have a clinic that has one ambulance being shared. By we don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough classrooms. We don't have enough police. We have 60 police officers working three shifts a day. That averages 20 police officers out there per shift per day. Right mm -hmm. to handle fifty six thousand residents plus a massive area, so that sounds, that sounds it's called marginalizing. A, Pardon me. And that sounds indicative of a situation with regards to the police um, of being faced with a virtually insurmountable task and with a lack of resources. Well, yeah, I mean fifty six thousand people. Right? I know they have a substation in Banke. I'm not sure how many police officers are there. But you're talking about, I'm not sure of how many square miles, because you're talking about from Black Manatee up into the Pine Ridge. Mm -hmm. area and a massive amount of people. And if the census is incorrect, and they're basing everything on the census, including the monies given to run the town board, mm -hmm. right? It's incorrect. You're not going to get proper funding. There's just no. If your census is incorrect, we're getting nowhere. We'll never climb above where we're at. We're not properly funded. We're not the medical. I mean, the polyclinic that is supposed to handle 56,000 people doesn't even have an operating room, right? And in their emergency. We had a young guy stabbed just before Christmas down by the, the new center. Even if they had gotten him to the polyclinic, they wouldn't have been able to drain the blood out of his lungs and he would have died. Oh, my goodness. You know? That's tragic. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I end up dealing with a lot of medical problems. My mother was a nurse, and so it's kind of uh, uh, ingrained, right? And people come to me because they know they trust me. And we had one man here that was hit by a car before last year Christmas, and he was sent home with a bone protruding out of like until after the holidays. Oh my I mean, goodness, man! That's, that's inexcusable, man. That's that's terrible. It goes back again to the census in my mind. If we're not properly counted. Mm -hmm. 
we're not taking out. It's just that simple, right? And with the corruption, in the political bodies that we put in power, there's just not enough trickling down to the people to take care of the people. And by census incorrect for it's keeping it in the same stagnant mess it's been in for years. We're not moving forward. We're actually moving backwards. And I know Don Hector, he he came across really well about this because this man has done like 20 budgets, set and written 20 budgets. Uh He knows exactly where there's too much at the top. Matter of fact, after he went through it, he said there were seven ministries that could be eliminated. Right? Mm-hmm. Because well, they have the portfolio split and doubled up. And as a, as, a, as a business person here, it's really hard to deal with simply because when you go in and you want something, you get sent from ministry to ministry to ministry because this and it's very frustrating and time-consuming trying to get through it. It's, uh, I don't know what, pushed and pushed and pushed and you end up a lot of people just give up absolutely absolutely and I think that you you've touched on a very very salient point it's just easier yes um, yeah I would posit what's happening is you're breaking up a little bit so I, I didn't catch some of what you said but um, I would posit that it is by design and the reason why I say that is because you, you mentioned something in terms of us digressing or moving backwards, right? And basically, in my opinion, the governance yeah. system in this country has been set up to facilitate and cater to a select group of individuals, a privileged few. Now, I know there are people out there that do not share my view, but when I utter the term PUDP, I say it with the most conviction because I know within my heart of hearts that. PUP and UDP are basically two halves of the same equation. One may say that they enjoy what is called a symbiotic relationship. And for those who may not know what that means, let me just give you an example. Mary, you've been out in you know rural areas areas quite a bit, and I know you can uh, you can uh, identify with this. When you see a cow off in the pasture, and you see a little bird following behind him, or right there on his backside, you know just hanging there, it's because the bird is there to get something and the cow is also benefiting from what the bird does. The bird eats the little bugs and ticks and whatnot that, is, is, that could hurt, that harm the cow eventually. And so it's a symbiotic relationship. And that's the way I see the PUP and the UDP. The structures that they have set up indeed have marginalized large segments of our population. You, you give mention of the situation in Kyle, and I shudder to think about the lack of representation in other parts of the country as well. For example, where our good friend, Mr. Will Mejia, hails from, down in the Toledo district. You know? I mean, there needs to be, in my opinion, a, a full revamping of governmental structures and also um, a comprehensive revisit to our Constitution. Because what I have seen in the antics that are being displayed by not only this current administration, but also the PUP administration that the UDP um, followed, is that 
they have reached a point whereby might definitely makes right in their minds. I mean, I have heard horror stories with regards to issues involving land, you know, individual lands getting taken away. Actually, I had a piece of land taken away from me also. And, you know, that's a different story with a piece of leased land. But there, there, there are instances when individuals with titled land somehow mysteriously gets, uh, you know, taken away. But all in all, what we need is to definitely create synergies. And that's why I tip my hat to you and everyone else who was involved in the initiative on Friday. Because that demonstrates in microcosm the approach that all interested parties should consider adopting. When the BNTU goes... Yes, yes, I can hear. When the the BNTU goes out to march, they need to take their associated um, unions as well. Not because you're dealing with one particular issue or seemingly one particular issue does it mean that only that select group should be there. On a personal level, I felt honored to be there. I understand that there was some... Excuse me? Well, the idea of inviting Wilma here and um, um, uh, Charles Leslie, yourself. Um, I was trying to get some folks in from Corazal as well, from Crime Corps. Mm-hmm. The same problems with yes. all the outer districts, not just Kyle, all of us. That's right. And it, to me, it only makes logical sense to create these synergies, create these networks, and bring people in to support the common cause. So, I mean, you know, like I, like I said at the beginning of this uh, segment, of the first segment, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but my, my thing is this, hey, if you're serious about effecting positive change in this country, we cannot get wrapped up in, I must start this, uh, you must start that, me a leader, this, that, that can't work. We know that time for anything there. Because, trust me, the PUP and the UDP, they laugh all the way to the bank. Uh-huh. This unity amongst, amongst the people that have an alternative perspective only works to the benefit of the powers that be. And until we get that to our individual and collective psyches, we're going to be fighting this uphill battle. Now, I pride myself as being an eternal optimist with a degree of rea- reality. I'm a realist also. And I firmly believe that Belize is at a juncture right now where if our people get serious, we can affect that positive change. And trust me, we're on such a path right now that if we don't do it soon, there may be nothing left for the future generations. Because the level of graft and greed and corruption that I see coming out of government ministries, and I'll even go as far as saying coming out of the highest, the, the purportedly highest levels of government is disturbing. When a man can get on TV and tell me that what um, Castro did was wrong but not corrupt, I have to shake my head. I have to shake my head because I am no fool. And I know that hundreds of thousands of Belizeans out there are no fool either. You know, the bottom line is this. When it comes to these politicians, and I I levy my scrutiny on both sides of the occasion, as far as I'm concerned, it's half a dozen of one and six of the other. Red and blue, that is the same difference as far as I'm concerned. They may have slightly different modus operandi or how they go about doing things, but the bottom line is their focus is to create an environment and facilitate an environment 
which is buttressed by the laws that we have, so that they maintain their hold over power. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition a little bit because this is something that is very, very significant to our Belizean brothers and sisters in the diaspora. And that involves the whole concept of affording Belizeans who live abroad, whether it be in the UK, Canada, Australia, United States, what have you, who have taken on a second um, nationality or citizenship and who want to participate fully within the electoral process. Right? And the reason why I bring this up is because what I want to impress upon our Belizean brethren and sisters in the diaspora, no matter where you're located, is this. If you believe that either the PUP or the UDP will lend a sympathetic ear earnestly to your calls for full electoral rights, that meaning right to vote and also the right to contest general elections, irrespective of whether or not you are a dual national, then I advise that you do not hold your breath. Because the bottom line when it comes to politics and beliefs, it's all about holding on to the power. I will give you an example as, as to what I'm referring to. Now, we all know that the current government has a slim majority in the House. Anyone with half a brain can see that what Penner did was absolutely wrong. Likewise, what Castro has done and is coming out on a daily basis is also absolutely wrong. Yet the Prime Minister has countenanced their actions instead of doing the right thing and saying what we know is right, in as much that, okay, you know what, Penner, you prostituted our, our nationality. That should, be, huh, that should be a treasonable offense, if you ask me, right? And also, uh, Castro, well, you've been dipping into the pot, the pot that, uh, unfortunately, it, it appears as though, uh, based on the discretion of the Minister of Finance, who happens to be the PM, that, yes, yeah, wrong, but it's not corrupt. But the bottom line is this. These two fellows did wrong. There's no question about it. And instead of him doing the right thing, what is first and foremost in his mind is to maintain control of the government. Now, people will say, well, Papa, you're being unrealistic because, well, if you don't maintain control of the government, what is, what is the use of being in government? Well, I'll, what I would say to individuals who say that is this. It all depends on what is your motivation for being coming involved in the governmental process and putting yourself there to represent the people. Yes, Marco. indeed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, concerning the diaspora. Hello? For why do you actually do feel like fear of the diaspora and their influence on beliefs, where our political uh, parties are concerned in this country? Do you get that same feeling as I do? Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth, Mary. They fear it's because fear. they know that Belizeans who are in the diaspora have uh, expanded their horizons beyond the red and blue paradigm that is here in Belize. And they also well, know that the diaspora has a, a great wealth of knowledge and resources that can come in, impact this country in terms of its development, and rock the boat. Yeah, Paco, I tell you, um, I don't understand. And they're taking rights away from understand the spirit. But if you look, I know I'm with the older cultures. They have a system 
that represent angels, right? And gives them a, 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 a in this area. Uh, I guess, uh, I'm not saying that's the way to go, but I'm saying there are solutions out there we do not need to recreate. Absolutely. I agree. Our connection is breaking will, up a little bit. Or do we need to take your government to break All through the hookup here. No, what I'm saying is they were born here. And just for our, because of our fear doesn't mean that we should take their birthrights away from them. We should figure out a solution that gives them their right to vote and right to area representation and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So forth. And there are Hello? Can we have some? Yeah, I yes, most definitely. Okay, but um, what I did catch of what you said, I agree wholeheartedly, and it for me it demonstrates a, a very, very positive outlook with regards to our Belizean nationals in the diaspora. And you know, I'll I'll, I'll even go as far as uh, saying that the Belizean diaspora, in effect, represents one of the last. And the last viable options through which we can positively impact this, this system of governance in this country so that the, the spoils or the resources of this nation can be more equitably you know, dispersed amongst people. Because well, what yeah. we have right now are a bunch of lawyer politicians who know the law. But what they do is that they manipulate John and Jane Q. public they hold that uh, legal element above their heads, and they work within the, the narrow confines of the law, just to the extent whereby they'll say, you know what, well, and I, I, I will say this, and I hope it's indicative of the fact that I'm critical of both uh, political parties, but a former prime minister once said, and I quote, I've done nothing criminally negligent. You see? Those are some powerful words. Criminally negligent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they play with the they play with the meaning of words and lawyers lawyers are trained to attack, defend, and muddy waters. They're mm-hmm. not trained to uh, like a doctor or a builder to uh, solve problems and institute systems to run things. They are trained in a certain mindset, and that's not disrespect the fact. Right? And I don't think people with that kind of training should be leading or running a country. I mean, you need, you need builders, you need engineers, you need doctors, you need teachers, you need business people that understand right. systems and accountants. Lawyers should be advisors to a government, not the leaders of a government. That's right. They should, uh, ideally, they should be the ones who provide the insight from a legal perspective. And exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I would say if I were a betting man, Mary, that uh, there are probably a lot of people out there right now agreeing with you. And again, like you said, and I'm glad you clarified it. Me, personally, I, I have nothing against attorneys. I have some friends, who, very good friends who are attorneys. But the track record that has been set by attorneys who have entered the realm of politics is dismal. 
is Vizma with regards to looking out for the betterment of the people of this nation. And in terms of the self-aggrandizement and the self-enrichment, I can say that the record speaks for itself. Well, we're coming up to roughly 30 minutes left in the program, and maybe we can transition and switch gears a little bit now. Um, you spoke, Mary, a lot about your involvement, and I, I find it very impressive that you have been involved with the youth. You know? One of the questions I have for you is if you can give me a little idea with regards to uh, any upcoming programs that you or groups that you're affiliated with are, are looking forward to implementing during the, the new year. Well, one of the things that we're working on in the village, one of the teachers, uh, Miss Noema Manzanero, who's uh, one of those teachers you remember all your life, has retired. And she wants to start working with the women in our village to do cottage industries and so forth. So I'm going to be facilitating her with that by um, helping to teach the women how to jewelry making um, and buying products that we need so that they can go ahead and make. So what I'll be doing is buying earring hooks and clasps and things like this online, and then we'll break them up in smaller packets so that the women can use these to make the jewelry to sell. Also, what we're looking at is there's a Mayan city that I tripped. The last 10 years I've been living here in Bullet Tree, and I've seen this and seen that. So we got a hold of uh, Mr. Awi, and he's going to come in and check it out. It's a nice... Mayan city right here within two miles of the village and we're going to see if we can't get that designated and open up as a Mayan site which will bring tourism into our village which will help market the lady products but also we have uh, one of the things with cottage industries and, and women work living at home house, they can't sell their product right they don't have the facility to bring it need either. So we're going to get that working on the website and get some of, uh, we have a couple of guys here that go out and sell paintings for the artists, so we're going to get them to carry samples for us. We're going to start doing t-shirts. I have a source where I can get 100% cotton for a buck, buck fifty each. Mm -hmm. Teach them how to t-shirt painting and our salespeople will go out and they'll hit the islands, take orders, and then we'll deliver, and then we're going to do an online either pay, PayPal or uh, uh, e-package where people can purchase and we can ship direct to them handmade in um, articles. So this way the women can stay at home, mind their house, and in their spare time and when the kids are sleeping, they can do T-shirts, they can do uh, bracelets and what have you, and we can sell for them. Right? So they don't have to leave their homes to make some extra cash. Mm -hmm. That's right. one of my main focuses for this year. Excellent. Excellent. It sounds as though you, you remain in perpetual motion. And that's great. That's good. I, I, I have a good team, Paco. I have a really good team of people. Right? I'm very selective. I'm a very hard worker. And I expect my people around me to be working and is dedicated so this is how I'm able to do it it's not me one it's a team it's a group of us whether it's like in my uh, construction business my two top guys get a percentage of profits and each guy under them gets uh, a, a bonus 
each time we sell a house. So that's a team that's created. It's looking to keep everything as profitable as possible. So if you have a team, you can do a lot of things if you have a goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, definitely, if you have a very progressive outlook, and uh, one of the things that I, I really, really enjoy is that you're impacting the youth. Because, you know, it, it sounds like a buzzword, but the youth are the future of this belief. But, Paco, isn't about 60% of our population 35 and under? Precisely. That's right. That's right. I think if they're running this government, I think I would do like Mexico did about 20 years ago. I take out everybody in government and replace them with young professionals that aren't contaminated by corruption and corrupt systems. We have, we have the educated, dedicated young people here that are just dying for something to bite into and feel slighted that that the upper class is always getting the top jobs without having the qualifications to go with those jobs. This corruption thing is like a, a bad root system of a sick tree, and it's infiltrated everything, everything, and it's holding everybody back. And at this point, you see a lot of resentment, a lot of resentment of the system. The young people are fed up, and if mm-hmm. something doesn't drastically change soon, I keep hearing about bloody revolution, and that's something I would not want to see, and I would not want to be part of it. But, but I hear it. People are fed up, and this country is getting to be where it's on a boiling point. I mean, just our rally here in Kyle. Yeah, my shutdown didn't succeed for whatever, a multitude of reasons, really. That's besides the point. The people were behind us. They let us know they were behind us. And if you saw the police and the military and so and so forth out there, they're worried about something that was done by good, honest, decent people erupting into violence because there is so much anger in our country at this point. Things have got to change, and they've got to change drastically. And like you said earlier, we need to start with the Constitution. That's the foundation. Absolutely. Right? can't build a good house bad foundation it's just not going to happen it's going to keep rotting and keep tumbling you have to change the foundation okay that to me is the constitution excellent well mary we have a little less than half an hour and at this time i'd like to remind the listeners that um if you'd like to call in ask a question of our guests you can call in by dialing 714-242-6119 that's uh, if you're in the states also, if you're on Skype, you can call in at uh, B-T-R-L-I-S-T-E-N-R-058. And let's see if we can get some feedback from the public. Yes. Well, definitely, Mary. Uh, your, your plate is full. Your plate is full. And one of the things that I, I, I found quite interesting about you, because, you know, we've had a chance to sit down and talk, is that uh, your your experiences and beliefs is not limited only to Kyle. Oh no, I worked in San Pedro for years, and uh, I, out there, all my crew were young guys. Don't hire, didn't hire anybody over 25. They were all either ex gang bangers or kids. Um, each and every one of them worked with me. We taught them trades. We taught them how to handle themselves 
with girls with uh, in restaurants, resorts. Um, and at this point, when I left, one of them's a manager of a resort. Another one started a construction business. Another couple of them are heads of uh, maintenance at resorts. So they're all very good, viable citizens. And one of the reasons I'm called Godmother or Mother mm-hmm. is I nurture youth all wow. over the country. And mm-hmm. I have rules and values that I do not bend. Okay, okay. Um, just to give a, an, another update, uh, those who'd like to call in, you can dial in at 714-242-6119 or via Skype. You could call BTR, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, that's BTR Listener, 023. And I thank you very much, Mary, for giving that explanation with regards to the term Godmother, because I think that at times it can be misconstrued. Yeah, I'm sure it can. It's kind of a family joke because uh, most of my business partners are males, right? I have my two sons are partners with me, and I have a partner that's from Biloxi that uh, is my co-partner in uh, Mahogany Hall, and then my crew chiefs are my partners, and most of my employees are my right hand is a very strong young lady, um, and the head of our housekeeping are de- is definitely a very strong young lady. Um, eh, it's just a family joke because I end up being the problem solver because I see both sides, and I'm very understanding, but understanding a problem doesn't make the person's actions right. You can understand where they're coming from, but that doesn't make their bad attitude or Action or their bad actions right, it doesn't qualify them then. It just Absolutely. doesn't make them right. So I'm solving the problems and the reasons I'm called the Godfather. Okay. I, I just got a correction on, on the, the Skype number to call. It's B-T-R-L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R 058. 058. Okay? And, well, yeah, I, I, can, I can appreciate that, and I thank you for that. Well, definitely I can I get the sense that you have impacted the lives of a lot of the youth and you continue to push forward. And I I really, really appreciate that because in this day and age it's very, very difficult at times to come across people who do certain things and they do it out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, we live in a very complex time, but um, coming across individuals that uh, exhibit those traits is, is very refreshing. And you know what really, what really makes it uh, so outstanding is that when you have a person who's committed to the cause or a cause and they don't really seek to put it out there, it's even that much more enriching when you find out what they do. So, Paco, I've never liked being in the forefront. I've always preferred to facilitate and empower Right. Let the person do it. Help them grow. Give them a hand up, not a hand out. Teach them how to how to take care of themselves. You watch these people get something. You see the lights go on, and you see this pride come into them that is worth more than anything else in the world. To watch a young person develop into a self-assured young man or young woman is an incredible thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. That within itself is fulfilling, no? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, one of the village elders, when we first started our project, he 
I picked him up one day and he says, you know, every day I see this group of bicycles riding by these guys on these bicycles riding by. So, so one day I decided I'm going to follow them because they're going to the back of the village. He says, and I get back there and I see this beautiful house there, they're building. He says, and you know, they're all the bad boys of the village, but they all go to work laughing, smiling, racing to work and racing home. He says, and then a year later he comes out here and he sees the tree houses and the four buildings that we you know what my nickname for you is? My name for you is? And I said, what? He goes, Marigold, because you and everybody. <laughs> and oh, I nice. came to tears. I got to tell you, that's got to be one of the most special things I've ever been told in my life. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, that is definitely refreshing. And also, you mentioned that you are <clears throat> excuse me, involved in um, tourism-related endeavors, uh, Mahogany Hall, no? Yes, yes. We have a high-end uh, uh, tree resort that has five luxury suites and uh, uh, three rooms and uh, again we've been slowly slowly teaching youth in our village how to work in a resort and to become part of our team our one of our number one guys is a what a 19 year old butler that was trained on site and he is awesome I think he served you the other day young Jose yes um, yes I have a butler in my home. I wanted a housekeeper, but with a young man, and uh, we've been training him, and he is awesome. You can see there's a changeover in where people work now. It's not so cut and dried. This is a man's job. This is a woman's job. I wish a few of the women would step up and want to get in construction with me because I would enjoy teaching them. Okay, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. They would make awesome finishers, awesome finishers. I believe so, definitely. Well, that is very, very refreshing. And, you know, when I, when I sit here and I, I discuss with you, I, the first question that comes to mind is, and, but you, you, sort of, you sort of answered it within certain respects, but for those who weren't listening, I'll still pose this question to you. Mary, do you have enough hours in a day? Yes, I do. do. (laughs) I I tell you, Paco, I solve most of my problems when I'm sleeping. If I'm dealing with something, I can't get it. I go to sleep. I wake up. I have the solution, and I institute it. But the team of us doing this, my sons work with me. They facilitate these young men. They help mentor these young men. Even in San Pedro, when my boys were young and were young bartenders, the kids in Belmopan that they went to school with would come out, they would lend them clothes, they'd take them to the job, start teaching them how to be leaders, how to be bartenders and so forth, and teach them how to go apply for a job, right? And how to handle themselves. Again, it's a team doing this. It's not just me. You know, and it's so, so good that you mentioned that because, I don't know, maybe it's just human nature, but what I find a lot of times, there is this me, myself, and I syndrome. I call it the ego. And I think that and anything I say, anything I say, I apply to myself, right? But I think that right. we, all, we all have the capacity to reinvent ourselves, to improve ourselves. And I think that in an overall sense, myself included, if we can get away from focusing on the me, myself, and I syndrome, trust me, we could get so much more done because it would be easier to form these, these coalitions, to form these synergies, to form these linkages, and we just all work together towards a common goal. 
Now, Hi. earlier I, I said that I'm a realist, and I know that that's not reality, but it doesn't hurt to mention it because who knows? Maybe it might spark, you know, touch off a spark in somebody, and they might do some self-introspection. No man stands alone, Paco. Once people figure that out, that it's just like when they're referring to the Purple Movement. That was such a massive amount of people from mm-hmm. all walks of life working to make that happen. And I don't care whether you're talking about the common man or the man on top. Everybody shutdowns in that demonstration. That was thousands of people out there. That was thousands of people working in the background and working in the foreground to create that energy and to get and what, what, what was the idea? To get the government to understand that we didn't have enough police and that the crime was out of control. That our girls were being killed off. Our innocent girls were being killed off. Our young females. I mean... I have dealt with, what, five missing people or kidnapping cases in the last uh, 12 years, 10 years, 11 years. That's unbelievable. I mean, I sit back and think about it like what we did with this kidnapping. We did what we did because we knew how to do it, and my sons happened to have quite a bit of training as well as myself. But we did it because we knew how to do it because we've had to do it before. I mean, that's sad. That is a sad statement about the situation our country is in. I don't care. I, uh, way back, I mean, when my mother went missing, I had to make the phone calls. When Donna Hill and them went missing, I was the one on the ground, and I set up the deploy uh, to be our call center, right? Uh-huh. And I got Julian Sherrard in to help because he's a good tracker. Right, and we were on the ground with motorcycles and vehicles hitting the whole area trying to find this. Right, um, the the chicky bull bandits. I was the feed on the ground going all around this country, and I would report back into Julian every evening about what I found out. And we were able to connect up. I think it was 12 or 13 robberies that had all been the same nucleus group. It was a father and son team that would pull in other bad boys. They would hit a place, and then they'd take off to the next tourist area. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's a statement to have to say, I knew how to do it as a, I'm just a citizen. I'm not a police officer. Yes, I got special tra- uh, constable training after the Donna Hill thing because I realized there just wasn't enough police to do the job. Right? I think they need to beef up the special constable program. I think there needs to be more training and continuous training, but I don't think it's something that should be dropped. And it's just like Will with his territorial bodies. We, we need this in our village. Why? Because we are butting up against the adjacency zone, right? And I've got a lot of young men here that are really interested in doing this. It's um, we need it. We don't have. We're a small country. We don't have the funding to have a large enough military. We don't have with all the corruption. We're not getting the money trickling down to the people, to the police, to the schools. So we, the people, need to be able to help us. If you look here, you'll see neighborhood watch programs. I don't know. I think there's like 24 of them, 27 of them, or something at this point. Um, uh, special constables, we have a huge group. They're not well enough formed or well enough trained at this point, but you have a lot of people stepping up, willing to give up their time, business people. 
people that are fully engaged like I am, right, that are willing to, and you see it in Kyle all over the place, and you see some after-school programs, all of the feeding programs. These aren't done by the government. These are done by good-hearted people, right? Where is the government in this? This is why with the teachers and so forth, I was fully behind the teachers. Why? Because I see all of us doing, and I don't see our government doing, and yet I see us collecting taxes for them, paying taxes. It's like I said in the rally, $20.2 million was collected in our town alone. That's not including business tax. That's not including the hotel tax and all the other taxes. That's just GST, and that's only in half of Cayo. What are we getting for that money? And it's not just Kyle. You hear this from every outer district in this country. I don't care if you're talking about Dangriga or PG or Orange Walk or wherever. It's the same thing. The money isn't trickling down to the people, and yet they're getting the money. Now, I'm not talking about out and beg and borrow to build bridges or do roads. I'm talking about the money generated in this country. It's like our government has become a bloodsucker. I mean, they're feeding off of us. They're not taking care of us. And government is elected to mind us and mind our laws and to adhere to those laws and to protect the people. It's not happening. It's not happening. They're feeding off of us. They're feeding off of us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we are coming close to the end of the show. But I'd like for you to take uh, maybe the next two minutes, and if you would like to just share with the listeners out there uh, your vision, what you would like to see happening in Cayo, happening in Belize. And All right. Hmm? Paco, um, I wrote a story here a while back, and I called... Hello? Shoot for the dark, and shoot And this particular article I wrote was about turning Belize into a free zone, right? Uh-huh. This, turning Belize into a free zone, now a lot of people say, oh, you couldn't do that. Why not, right? If you took off all the duties and the concessions and stuff and created an open playing field, one, cost of living would go down, if not by 50%, close to it. So uh-huh. people could really live well on the incomes they're getting. Then if you turn and you create a, a, a port in the south, we already have one. Let's build it up so we can really handle some ships. There's something called the food train. I don't know if people are aware of it, but it's coming from North America going to South America. It's already under construction. And this is to harvest crops and produce out of Central and South America and take it up to North America. Now, we're not part of that food train. We're not part of NAFTA either, for that matter. But if you create down there, and you created a duty-free zone in this country so that the people could live cheaper, so that there was equal playing field. You would open it up. By making it duty-free, you would make it so industries would want to come here, right? We would have jobs. Building the port would create jobs, and it would create continuous jobs. And the government needing revenue to replace duties could do on either portage fees for and fees for transient goods, right, so that... I mean, like, we have the bananas coming here, and they basically come here empty. Well, if they could come here full and transship that and jump on the food train, we would collect transient fees, right? 
we they would be able to market. We would get something off of it. The people would live better. The government would still have their taxes that they need to run off through page fees or through transient fees, right? There are ways of doing this. There's this country placed where it's not rarely gets big hurricanes the south is a very protected port it's very deep you wouldn't need to dig into the reef to create the port it's already broken there so you have many ways of getting in having it duty-free and taking off these concessions that are are basically politically given and politically taken right would make it so we could develop industries in this country where we could process and stuff. It's just like uh, I don't see anybody packaging and shipping our local produce to our Belizeans abroad. You know, whether you're talking about stewed cashew or, uh, or whatever. I mean, there's a number of uh, 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 crab and all these things that Ricardo and things that when I was living in the States going to college that I missed, right? that could be packaged and shipped and sent out abroad. But when you have the of importing uh, uh, packaging materials, you have to pay duties on it, uh, whatever. It makes the cost so prohibitively. And I don't see anybody really facilitating business owners in understanding how to ship out and how to, how to market products into the world. I see our focus is on how to, to uh, import and uh, there, only uh, Marie Sharps, one of the more successful, actually ships products outside this country. I know she can tell you about everything she's gone through to get concessions and so forth. And you have to worry. When you get a concession, will the next party take it away from you? Yeah. Taking off all these duties and import taxes and, and uh, all this convoluted uh, system that we have, creating an open playing field. And if you must, if you find out you really must in the end, you could ca- charge an export. Many countries do this to control how much goes outside the country so that they always have enough inside their country. Also, to protect it, to make sure that it's a quality to go outside the country and to collect a tax to help support the country. Import duties are not the only way. And at this point in time, we've added so many taxes and we're still carrying import duty that is from pre-colonial times, it doesn't make sense to me. It's holding us back. It's keeping us from developing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're coming up on three minutes to go, and I will say that based on what you expressed just now, you have definitely shown the depth of your, your insight and that you're not a, a one-trick pony, so to speak. You know, you're involved in a lot of things and you have views that, that run the gamut. So, hey, I think that that's something that should really be considered and looked at uh, quite conclusively. It, it's, it sounds like something that uh, is akin to thinking outside the box. And that's great. That's great. Well, Mary, we're about uh, at two minutes left. I really, really would like to thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show. Again, my apologies apologies for the technical difficulties that we experienced from the onset. But, uh, you know, as someone had once said, progress is a challenge. That was was on my side. 
That was on my side. I grew up without electricity and have only had my hands on a computer for six years. There's still buttons on the keyboard that I don't know what they do yet. So I think okay. that was probably me. Okay. Well, no problem. Hey, thank you so much, uh, listeners. Well, I appreciate you tuning in. And uh, the week after next, we'll be back with uh, another guest to discuss some issues. Again, um, this is Belize Hard Talk, The Tipping Point. Uh, sometimes we say and do things on here that others may not necessarily agree with. But then again, hey, that's life sometimes. And uh, let's move forward collectively, constructively. And, um, hey, I look forward to touching base with the, the listeners again in the very, very near future. Mary, thanks so much. Thank you, Paco. I enjoyed it. Okay. Best of luck to you in all your endeavors. And listeners, thanks again for your support. I look forward to working with you. All right. Likewise. Likewise. Have a good one. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, listeners, we're on with Mary Caridi.